Okay, we're in the book of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter number 27. As I mentioned, we won't be speaking on the topic of Thanksgiving. We'll be speaking Tuesday night on that topic. Uh, but uh, Proverbs chapter 27, this has uh, been a verse that's been on my mind for a few weeks now. So I thought this would be the right time uh, to uh, speak on this verse and this topic. Proverbs chapter 27 one verse, verse number 6. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 6. There the Bible reads, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The message this morning is entitled, Faithful Wounds. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time of the year. We thank you, Lord, for uh, this season where we know our nation sets aside time to give thanks and lord we certainly want to be careful to give you all thanks honor and glory and lord uh, we're thankful this morning that we can be in your house that we have a place to serve you and worship you that we live in a country that still uh, yet today allows us freedom to assemble together and uh, sing praises unto your name and preach the word and lord this morning as we think about uh, our lives here on this earth, we ought to want to be the type of friend that the Bible speaks of, and we ought to be, <clears throat> Lord, willing to uh, hear what our friends have to say and to receive counsel and correction from them. And Lord, as we think on this proverb today, help us to gain insight from what you want us to learn from this verse and from this proverb. And Lord, Help us to realize that wounds are helpful for us uh, spiritually, certainly, and Lord, that we're to be thankful as well for faithful wounds. I pray today you'd lead, guide, and direct as only you can. Speak to hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Faithful wounds. It is not normal to like to suffer a wound. I say it's not normal because I know that there are certain emotional uh, conditions that uh, people will harm themselves, uh, and I don't mean any disrespect by that, but it's not, it's not normal, right? It's not normal to go around hurting or harming yourself. It's not normal to relish and embrace suffering wounds. That's not a normal thing, as the Lord wrote by the... Uh, physical writer the apostle paul in the book of ephesians we love our bodies right we love ourselves and uh, so we're we're not prone to uh, loving uh, wounds and harm that comes to our physical body now that is true physically right it's also true mentally emotionally and spiritually we we don't like wounds mentally emotionally and spiritually Yet it is also true that wounds can be helpful to us. They can be helpful to us physically. They can be helpful to us in every area of our lives. And certainly, spiritually speaking, wounds can be helpful. Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs and thus authored the text that we're considering this morning, he also wrote this in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 30. He wrote, The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly, 
or the heart or the conscience as what is referred to there by Solomon. And so Solomon is clearly writing that there is some benefit uh, to the wound. And the wound, of course, will heal and it does its job. And there are, there are benefits to wounds. As, as counterintuitive as that may be, there are benefits to wounds. And so Solomon is pointing out in our text this benefit of wounds and he's applying it really practically here in our lives and we would apply it practically and spiritually and of course mentally and emotionally Solomon is writing about faithful wounds he writes in Proverbs 27 verse 6 faithful are the wounds of a friend now today I want our focus to be on Solomon's words about these faithful wounds. And I trust that by the leadership of the Spirit, we will profit from Solomon's wisdom as we consider faithful wounds. Now this morning, you might be the friend that is receiving the wound. Or you might be the friend that needs to inflict the wound. Whatever the case is, we need to be instructed and learn from these words of wisdom that Solomon penned by the leadership of the Holy Spirit when he wrote about faithful wounds. And I want us to consider three insights this morning into faithful wounds. First of all, we will see this insight, the infliction of the wound. Secondly, the second insight, the instruction that we gain from the wound And then thirdly, we now move on to the last part of verse number 6, and we will look at this insight, the insidious kiss from the enemy, because that is what Solomon references here as he contrasts the behavior of a friend and an enemy. He's writing about faithful wounds. And so we begin this morning by thinking about this first insight and looking into this first insight, the infliction of the wound. What do we learn about how the wound is received? Well, Solomon writes here in verse 27, verse 6, he says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I would posit this morning there is much that we learn about the infliction of the wound. First of all, we must begin, as we often do in studying the Word of God, by defining what the wound is. We often begin by defining our terms, right? how How do we define the wound? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. How do we define the wound? What's he talking about? What is this wound? Well, the Hebrew word very simply means bruising. Bruising. It is as if you would hit your leg or your arm on something and you wake up the next day and you have a bruise on it, right? That's a wound. Uh, The context sheds light as to what Solomon is really referring to. And we didn't read this. We're we're, we're considering verse 6 as our text. But context tells us that we have to go up and read verse 5. Because verse 5 sheds light on how we define the wound. Look at verse 5 of Proverbs 27. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
Our context sheds light on what Solomon is referring to when he talks about the wound, and it helps us define what the wound is. Now, in verse number 5, the word rebuke in the Hebrew carries these definitions. Chastisement, correction, argument, impeachment, reasoning. Now, what we learn from that is that there's a broad application of the word rebuke. We at trial, in my secular job, when we have somebody who's testifying uh, on behalf of the defendant, if there's a way that we can do it, we will impeach the witness. We will bring up the fact that, well, you know, you're saying that now in court. That's not what you told the police. That's not what you said on your video recorded interview. That doesn't line up with the evidence. And so we're, we're, we're impeaching them. It is a form of a rebuke. We, we can argue. And our argument can be a rebuke. We can reason and say, well, you know, you're doing this. And as we reason this out according to sound practice, what you're doing is not proper. Right? So we can reason. And these are all, these are all definitions of the word rebuke. And I believe that the context is very important because simply put, the wounds are friendly rebukes and reproofs. That's what wounds are. When your friend rebukes you, either through chastisement, correction, argument, impeachment, or reasoning, these are faithful wounds if they are inflicted by a friend, right? And so... How do we define the wound? It's a friendly rebuke and reproof. Now, where is the wound derived from? And we've already answered this, and it should be obvious. According to our text, the wound is inflicted how? By a friend. By a friend. Now, on the surface, that might seem like, well, that's all we need to discuss, and we can now move on to the next part of the message. But it isn't. Because when the Bible says that Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We need to dig a little bit deeper into the idea of who is our friend, right? And I would say, first of all, faithful wounds are derived or inflicted by our appointed friend. Now, bear with me. When I say appointed friend, hold on to your seats, I mean me. I mean your pastor. And if you're not a member of this church and you go somewhere and you're a member of another church, faithful wounds are inflicted by your appointed friend, your pastor. Your pastor should be your friend. And as your friend, your pastor should be willing to inflict faithful wounds. Now some people don't like this. They don't like the whole idea of a pastor, first of all. They want a preacher and not a pastor. But I'm telling you that if faithful wounds are delivered by a friend and your pastor is your friend, then your pastor should be delivering faithful wounds. Is this not what Paul told Timothy when he was training him and instructing him on how to carry out the duties that God had given Timothy as Timothy was obviously called to the ministry? Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, you're very familiar with this verse, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. In other words, when it's popular and when it's not popular. And then what's he write? Reprove. Reprove. 
Timothy, if he was going to do the work of an evangelist or a preacher, he was to reprove. Now the word there in the Greek, reprove, literally means admonish, convict, or how about this? Tell me if you really want this from your friend, your pastor. Tell a fault. How many people have you known through the years that you've served with, whether it's this church or another church, and they absolutely could not stand their pastor telling them a fault? In fact, when the pastor did tell them a fault through the preaching of the word, they got offended and left. Listen, faithful are the wounds of a friend. The pastor is to be your friend and deliver faithful wounds. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out season, reprove. And then how about this? Rebuke. Rebuke. That's a different Greek word. There the word means, hold on to your seats, to tax upon, censure, or forbid. The pastor is supposed to preach what you should see as forbidden. You say, well, the pastor, is he's laying this heavy burden on me when he preaches the word and he says I should be faithful in all the services of the church. No, he's not. Paul told Timothy to re rebuke. That means to tax upon to lay a burden. As long as it's a right and proper scriptural burden, that is a faithful womb that is delivered from your friend, your appointed friend, your pastor. And then Paul goes on and he tells Timothy, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. L listen, a well-rounded and balanced ministry should consist of exhorting and encouraging. And you know what else it should consist of? Faithful wounds. Reproving and rebuking. It is sad. Some people can't take that. And you know what? It is probably better that you move on if you can't take that. Because that's what God told a preacher to do. And I'm sorry folks, I believe I'm called from God and I'm going to rather please God than people and men, right? So, faithful wounds. How is the where is this wound derived from? How is it inflicted? It's a it's derived from our appointed friend Secondly, it is derived from our affectionate friend. Affectionate friend. Do you know, and I'm going to read to you a definition of the word friend. And this is not from any spiritual dictionary. It's from Webster's Dictionary that you can look up online in the online dictionary. The definition of a friend is this. One attached to another by affection or esteem. A person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. Well, doesn't that make sense? I mean, is that person your friend that only belittles and abuses you? There's no mutual affection there. I mean, that's an abusive relationship. You are obviously friends with people who you have an affection for and whom you esteem to be mutually affectionate as uh, our affectionate friend our affectionate friend has a responsibility for delivering faithful wounds now did you hear what I said if you are my friend you have a responsibility for delivering faithful wounds when you see the need for them do you know that if I'm your friend I have a responsibility not only as your pastor but as your affectionate friend to deliver faithful wounds when I see a need for that. The Bible, again, in Proverbs, 
just a few verses down in Proverbs uh, chapter 27 here in our text chapter, verse number 9. Look at verse number 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. So a faithful wound can actually turn out to be sweet if it is in fact hearty counsel or proper counsel if it is a faithful wound. Samuel Johnson, patriarch of our country, wrote, True happiness consists not in the multitude of friends, but in their worth and choice. And it is better for you to have friends who will inflict faithful wounds than friends who will stand by and watch you march over the cliff. It's better to have that type of friend, that affectionate friend, who will inflict a faithful wound when it is needed. But then there's a third type of friend by which the wounds are inflicted and uh, where they are derived from. Not just our appointed friend, our pastor, our affectionate friends here on this earth, but our almighty friend. Do you know that God is described as a friend of the people of God? In fact, we just sang that song. I don't know if you noticed this, brother, but some of the this, uh, words that we sang, we commune with God as friend with friend. I mean, God is to be held in awe and reverence, is He not? We're to fear God with a, with a res- healthy respect and reverence, but He's our friend. How does the Bible describe Abraham? both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. How about this? In James chapter 2, verse 23, James 2, verse 23, And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. We have faithful wounds that are inflicted on us by the almighty friend that we have, God our Father, but not just God our Father, Jesus our brother because the Bible says in Proverbs 18 verse 25 a man that hath friends must show himself friendly and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and I'm here to tell you I believe with all my heart that Solomon is writing about our friend the Lord Jesus Christ and you know what Jesus does as the best friend you could ever have he won't and he wounds faithfully. He corrects us, just as the Father corrects us. In the book of Job, Job was blessed with three miserable comforters as friends, was he not? And the amazing thing about the book of Job is if you read the book of Job just from a theological standpoint, there is a lot of truth to what Eliphaz and, and, and Bildad uh, and, and the others said about God. Okay, there's a lot that was true about that. They misapplied it in the life of Job, right? But there was a lot that was true. We find in Job chapter 5, verse 17, Eliphaz the Temanite says this. This is Job 5, verses 17 and 18. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. Verse 18. For he maketh sore and bindeth up. Now, listen to this. He woundeth and his hands make whole. Did you get that? 
our almighty friend, God the Father, and Jesus Christ, who's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, what do they do? They inflict faithful wounds. Do you know that God will get your attention when you are on the wrong course? God is not going to just allow you to walk off of the cliff. He's going to convict you. He's going to trouble you. He's going to chasten you. And yes, if need be, He can even take you home. All right? I mean, He can take your physical life if need be. And so we're talking now, having already defined the wound, we're talking about how the wound is derived and how it's inflicted. It's inflicted by our friends, our appointed friend, our affectionate friends, and our almighty friend. But notice, thirdly, as we think about this first insight, the infliction of the womb, now we pose this question. How is the wound delivered? We know what it is, and we know who delivers it. How is it delivered? Now, this is good counsel, not only for the friend who is receiving the faithful wound, but it is also good counsel for the friend who must inflict the faithful wound. And how is this faithful wound delivered? Well, first of all, it is delivered with a right attitude. A right attitude. Galatians 6, verse number 1. Galatians 6, verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of weakness. Or meekness, not weakness, meekness. You know what that is? That's a faithful wound. But the verse doesn't stop there. The verse goes on and Paul writes to the churches in the regions of Galatia. He says, Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. How is the faithful wound inflicted in the spirit of meekness? That's power under control. Spirit of meekness. Not haughtily or proudfully or arrogantly like, Oh man, look what you're doing. I'm better than you. I would never do that. You need to get things right. That's not the right way that the wound is inflicted. And I'm going to give you this counsel. If you are on the receiving end of a wound that is delivered that way, it's not a faithful wound. It's not a faithful wound. There are people out here that want to wound you, and they're not your friend, and they'll do it in an unfaithful way, right? So you've got to be wise, right? Not everything that is a wound is a faithful wound. And if it's not delivered properly, you know, we might want to consider that. Do I really want to receive this wound from this person who is inflicting this wound out of pride and arrogance? No, you don't. Because that says a lot about them and their spiritual insight, and they probably don't, they probably haven't assessed your situation correctly, anyways. Okay? So, how is the wound delivered? With the right attitude, but secondly, according to ability. According to ability. Now, bear with me. I don't mean to reach the theater of the absurd, okay? But just bear with me and tell me if this doesn't make sense. Would you rather receive a wound from a doctor or a surgeon? Let's say you have suffered a massive heart attack and you need open heart surgery. There's obviously going to have to be wounds inflicted upon your body, right? They got to open up your chest. Has anybody ever seen somebody's chest that had open heart surgery, the, the scar down the middle? I mean, it, it's pretty startling, okay? Now, would you rather receive a wound from a surgeon who is saving your life and leaving that scar on your chest, but they're doing, out of, out of, doing it out of their ability 
and their desire to save your life? Or would you rather receive a wound by somebody punching you in the face? You're at the convenience store. And somebody, you know, uh, gets in front of you and cuts in line. You say, oh, excuse me, sir, I was in line. And bam! Sock you right in the face, okay? You got a bloody nose and two black eyes. Where would you rather receive your wound from? Probably from the doctor or the surgeon who has the ability to inflict that wound skillfully, okay? There's much for us to learn here. We, we ought to make sure, again, if we're inflicting the wound, because this message is for both of us, right? Whether we're inflicting the wound or whether we're receiving the wound, we need to make sure we're doing it in a proper way. Now, I will caution you, okay? I will caution you about this. The urgency for the wound may not always allow for kid glove treatment. Okay, the urgency of the wound. We were talking about this uh, in, I think it was in Nebraska last week, we were talking about a tracheotomy. Okay, now uh, I would assume that Lauren and Cody can do a tracheotomy with skill. You know what a tracheotomy is, you can't breathe, so you make an incision in the neck and you put a tube or something in so that the person can breathe, right? Uh, I guarantee you, if you're my friend, anybody here, and you're in need of a tracheotomy, I'm going to cut your neck and stick something in there so you can breathe, okay? It's going to be different coming from me, okay? Because I'm not trained in doing that, right? Uh, but my point is that I would, I would do it the best that I can because I'm concerned about saving your life. The point is that sometimes... <laughs> We get our feelings hurt because we receive a faithful wound. And you know what? It had to be delivered that way. It wasn't done in a manner uh, uh, which exhibited pride or arrogance or anything of the sort, but the urgency of the matter was, hey, what are you doing? You're, you're headed for disaster, okay? Uh, I love what Spurgeon wrote in Treasure of David. And listen to this. He wrote, oil breaks no heads and rebuke does no man any harm. Rather, as oil refreshes and perfumes, so does reproof when fitly taken sweeten and renew the heart. My friend must love me well if he will tell me of my faults. There is an unction about him if he is honest enough to point out my errors. Now listen. Many a man has had his head broken at the feasts of the wicked, but none at the table of a true-hearted reprover. It is otherwise with the severest censures of the godly. They are not always sweet, but they are always excellent. They may, for the moment, bruise the heart, but they never break either it or the head. And so it's true that, that there is a certain way that these faithful wounds are delivered and we need to be aware of all of these ways we need to assess the situation and we need to be able and ready and that's what a, a good transition uh, segue to the next point we need to be able to receive these so that we might be instructed from them after all isn't that the purpose of the wound that leads us to the second insight that we'll take the instruction that we gain from the wound there are lessons we are to learn from the infliction of a faithful wound. The faithful wounds are delivered for a purpose. And we are to receive instruction. Think first of all about the instruction that we receive from the wound. There's this. 
The faithful wound is delivered out of care and concern. It's delivered out of care and concern. Your friend inflicts the wound because your friend loves you, cares for you, and has a concern for you. If it is inflicted in any other out of any other reason, it's not a faithful wound. There are people that will chide you and make fun of you and try to control you, not because they're your friend, but because they have some inadequacy in and of themselves and they want to put the spotlight on you so nobody puts the spotlight on them. A true friend inflicts a faithful wound out of love, care, and concern. Isn't that true of your appointed friend? Your appointed friend, your pastor... Now think about this, okay? I'm 59 years old. How many people are here this morning? Do you really think that I derive some sense of importance about browbeating the Lord's people? Is there, so, is there something... Oh, you guys are a cult. Well, I'm not doing very well as the cult leader if we're a cult okay i mean you know i'm not getting rich off the church hey i don't control you people uh what are we talking about here oh you know brother mel gets a kick out of rebuking the people of god you're sick if you think that you are you are off your rocker why does the pastor whoever it is if it's not me whoever it is inflict a faithful wound because he loves you and has a care and concern for you. Does not Hebrews 13 verse 17 reveal as much? In Hebrews 13 verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you. That's your pastor. And submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. It isn't unprofitable for the pastor. It's unprofitable for you. And so it, it is delivered. This wound is delivered out of love, care, and concern. And we ought to be instructed by that. And it ought to lead us to receive it. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Your affectionate friends love you. And out of love, care, and concern will deliver faithful wounds. Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loveth at all times. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And so the friend, because he or she loves you, will deliver the faithful wound. And then how about our almighty friend? Why does the almighty chasten and correct us? Here it is in Hebrews 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know what the Bible says about somebody who is not corrected or chastened by the Lord, and, and it's a biblical term, we call them a bastard, right? They're, they're not the Lord's child, okay? Uh, the Lord loves you, and because of that, He delivers and inflicts faithful wounds. Joseph Benson, the Bible commentator, wrote, These wounds proceed from an upright, loving, and faithful heart, and really promote the good of the person reproved. That's what they do. And so, what instruction do we receive from the faithful wound? It is delivered out of love, care, and concern. Secondly, it is delivered for the purpose of correction. It is delivered for our good. Now, the word faithful in Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
The word faithful there literally means to build up or support. The wounds are delivered to build us up and to support us. Thus we can conclude that the wounds are delivered for a good purpose. A, I'm going to whip some, some, uh, some uh, health medical terminology on you this morning, okay? A craniectomy. Right? A craniectomy is a type of brain surgery where doctors remove a section of a person's skull. The doctor goes in and takes a part of the skull out. Why is that done? That's a wound. Is that a wound? Somebody comes in and takes part of your skull out. That's a wound, is it not? Why is that done? Well, that surgery is done to ease pressure on the brain due to swelling or bleeding. By removing that portion of the skull, the, the skull is open, the pressure goes down. When the pressure goes down, the surgeon can go back in and close the opening in the skull. I would submit to you that that's a faithful wound, physically speaking. You know what? There are faithful wounds that are inflicted spiritually. They are done for a good purpose, for a good cause, for our correction. You ever have somebody before you were saved try to give you some counsel about maybe some vice that you had, some sin that you were involved in? I remember when I was a young man, and it's been years since I've had a drink of alcohol and liquor, don't have any desire to have one, but I can remember even at a young age, you know, my late teens, you know, friends would tell me, hey, you know, maybe maybe you ought to dial it down a notch. You know, maybe you ought to, maybe you ought to not do so much. And uh, as, as a knucklehead, I didn't take that counsel to heart. I didn't receive that. Listen, man, this faithful wound is delivered for our good. It is for our correction, our course correction. And then notice that thirdly, when we look at this insight about the instruction we gain from the faithful wound, uh, its delivery, that is the delivery of the faithful wound, it should be contemplated. In other words, we should receive it. We should say this in our minds. My friend has my best interest at heart. Maybe I should listen to them. I can't tell you how many people, and you know this, this is a, I've mentioned this I don't know how many times through the years, but people that have come to me for counsel. I presume because they would trust my counsel and that I was somebody that they thought they could get good counsel from. The problem is that, you know, about 80% of the time, and that might be a little low, the counsel that I gave was not received, and rarely did I see these people ever again. I must have given them some bad counsel. But the counsel was for the purpose of their good, and it was biblical counsel. I don't think I've ever given somebody counsel that I have not searched and sought out the scriptures and done my due diligence and prayed about how I should counsel somebody. And they did not receive it. <coughs> we ought to have the attitude that David had. David, the child of God, wrote the 140, 141st Psalm. And in Psalm 141, verse number 5, David wrote this. This is Psalm 141 and verse number 5. Let the righteous smite me. He's not talking about physically. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me. Did you get that? 
David says, let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer shall be in their calamities. David, this warrior of God, took down the giant Goliath by the strength of God, says, let the righteous reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. What's he saying? We should receive faithful wounds. George Swinnick, the old Puritan, lived from 1627 to 1673, he wrote this. Grace will teach a Christian to take those potions which are wholesome, though they be not palatable or grateful to the taste. Faithful reproof is a token of love and therefore may well be esteemed a kindness. Such wounding of a friend is healing. And I agree with David. And I agree with the Puritan Swinock. We ought to contemplate and receive the faithful wounds that are delivered. Now, I will tell you this, and I don't mince words this morning. Some so-called Christians and some so-called friends are very good at doling out wounds. Now, they're not faithful wounds. They're very good at doling out wounds, but they would never think of receiving a faithful wound. In fact, when somebody tries to inflict a faithful wound, they go mock them and, oh, look look at what she wrote. They tell everybody about it instead of receiving it. God will judge that person. God is not mocked. They are proof that the Bible is true. In Proverbs 12, verse number 1, Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. I wish we had time this morning to go through all the verses in Proverbs that talk about the idiocy of somebody who will not receive instruction. And by the way, uh, the uh, Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, is probably not as nice as even I would be because the word brutish there... I can't help but think of uh, Brother Clyde when I think about this. The word Brutus, it's used of cattle. It's used of cattle. And you know what it means? Stupid. Stupid. You ever tell somebody you're stupid? We normally don't talk that way, okay? But Solomon is saying, He that hateth reproof is stupid. You're like a dumb cow. Now, would that be popular to say today? You know, if you say it at work, you're getting fired. You'll have to go to HR and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we would never think to talk that way, okay? But Solomon says, you don't receive instruction. You hate reproof. You're dumber than a cow. You are stupid. And like I say, there are people that they love to dole out the, the, the wounds, but they would never think to receive them. They, they, they are in the receiving end of a faithful wound. They're out of here. And they're telling everybody and their brother about it and mocking the person that delivered the faithful wound. Well, God will judge them. God's got it covered. Again, I quote Spurgeon. When the ungodly smile upon us, their flattery is cruel. When the righteous smite us, their foolishness or their faithfulness is kind. Sometimes godly men rap hard. They do not merely hint at evil, but hammer at it. And even then we are to receive the blows in love and be thankful to the hand which smites us heavily. Fools resent reproof. Wise men endeavor to profit by it. So we ought to contemplate 
the infliction of the faithful wound and receive the instruction. We're going to close by looking at this last insight. We haven't covered this part of the verse yet, but now we refer to the last part of the verse. Notice Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but in contrast, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. This third insight, here we see the insidious kiss from the enemy. The insidious kiss from the enemy. And yes, insidious is used, I've used it for a purpose and not just because it begins with an I, okay? The word insidious means stealthily treacherous or deceitful. Stealthily treacherous or deceitful. They hide behind who they really are. They're not our friend. They're our enemy. Solomon writes, the kisses, in verse number 6, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. They stealthily are treacherous or deceitful. Now, this, first of all, renders confusion. It renders confusion. Because, let me ask you this. If I were to say to you, knowing what the Scripture says, in fact, the Scripture tells us multiple times, we don't do this due to our culture, but multiple times in the New Testament, the books close by, greet one another with a holy kiss, right? Uh, I didn't kiss you this morning, okay? I, I, didn't, I didn't put a big old smacker on your cheek or your forehead or certainly not your lips, okay? It's improper. It's not our culture, okay? But would you, would you think that your friend, not, not knowing what we know about these verses, okay, would you think that somebody would come up to you and give you a kiss on the cheek versus somebody that would come up to you and smack you across the face, uh, who would you suppose would be your friend? Would you not think that the person that kissed you was your friend? Because remember, a kiss is a sign of affection. And so the person kisses us, and we let our guard down. And we think, well, this person's really our friend, not this person over here. This person over here had the audacity to say to me, hey, you know what, I saw the other day at this place, and man, I just want to warn you, that's not a place you should be as a child of God. You know, they're not my friend, but this person over here greeted me with a kiss. They're really my friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. They're insidious. They render confusion. We are confused by that. And by the way, I remind you again, where confusion is, it is not the Spirit of God. God is not the author of confusion. The enemy is the author of confusion. And so, the insidious kiss from the enemy renders confusion. But what it does is it reveals the counterfeit. It reveals who these people really are. It shows us, first of all, their true motive. Now, if I were going to quiz you this morning, and I were going to say, now, taking what Solomon wrote in verse number 6, that the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, what Bible character can you think of that betrayed someone else with a kiss? You obviously would think of Judas Iscariot. I mean, it's the perfect illustration. It's a biblical illustration. It's like Solomon had that in mind. Of course, the Holy Spirit did, Right? When he wrote this, in Luke chapter 22, verse 47, 47 and verse number 8, verse 47 and verse 48, this is after Judas Iscariot had already conspired and said, now listen, the guy that I kiss, he's the one 
take him and make sure you got it. Okay, that's a paraphrase of what we read in the New Testament. And then in Luke chapter 22, verse 47, 48. And while he yet spake, behold a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. Verse 48, but Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Did you notice that when the Bible describes Judas, he describes him as one of the twelve? He was a church member. Oh, this person would never do. They really are a Christian. Yeah, well, their actions really don't show that they're too much of a Christian and certainly not a friend. Their wounds are not faithful. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I could bring a bag full of notes. I've kept every one of them that were written to me about, oh, what a great preacher you are, and oh, I got your back, and oh, I'll just stand with you forever. Thank God for you. Until we had to inflict some faithful wounds. Then the faithful wounds are inflicted and the claws come out. God will judge that. God will take care of that. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The insidious kiss from the enemy. It shows their true motive, and it is displayed by their treacherous movement. Judge them by their fruits. Don't listen to me. Study the Bible. There was a guy by the name of Ahithophel who did exactly what Judas did. Ahithophel was David's trusted counselor and advisor. And you know what he did? He sided with Absalom. And he wanted to kill David himself. He hated David so much that he said, Oh, let me add him. I'll take him out myself. And David wrote about that. In Psalm 41, verse 9, David wrote this, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. It's a prophecy about Judas Iscariot. It has a dual fulfillment, and it speaks about Ahithophel and what Ahithophel did to David. Ahithophel was not David's true friend. He was an enemy. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. They are insidious. Folks, don't be simple. Don't be simple in this area. Evaluate. Assess. Is this a faithful wound? Man, if this is a faithful wound, I've got a biblical responsibility to receive this and to take this counsel and pray to God that God would allow me to correct these things that my friend, my trusted colleague, my affectionate friend has pointed out that my pastor, my appointed friend has preached about, that the almighty friend that I have, God, has convicted me about. And don't be fooled by people who are not your friend. They're your enemy. Oh, they've received me into their group. They kissed me on the cheek. I'm one of them. The kiss of an enemy is insidious and deceitful. Your friends will stand by you. And your friends won't just tell you what you want to hear. They love you and they care about you and they'll tell you what the real deal is. Not your enemies. They don't care about you. They don't care if you march off over the cliff. They'll enjoy the others. They'll enjoy the company of the others as they watch you fall to your death. It's an insidious kiss. We ought to be wise enough to understand that, yep, friendship involves the infliction of some faithful wounds. And I must be adult enough and mature enough spiritually to receive that. Because it's meant for my good. We looked at three insights into faithful wounds. The infliction of the wound. The instruction that we gained from the wound. And then lastly, the insidious kiss from the enemy. 
May God give us grace as we consider faithful wounds. Let's pray.